0: Okay, so this is uh, John 11 is of course you know it's the story of the raising of Lazarus. It's probably one of the most well-known stories in the gospel. you probably heard it bunches and bunches of times. If uh, you hear Wednesday, you heard it another time. You'll probably hear it a bunch of times. But it's very important in the gospel of John because this is a turning point. The go- The the G, Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead is kind of the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak with the the Pharisees and the rulers when uh, at the end of this chapter uh, Jesus is going because the the word that he you know the word got out that he had raised this guy from the dead uh, he's going to have to go into Like, not hiding, but, you know, stay away from the city, stay away from the the Jewish leaders. He's going to go around, and in chapter 12, he's going to go up to uh, the feast, and it's going to show that, that everybody's looking for him. Everybody's wanting to see him. Everybody's wanting to know where he was. And even it says it was because of this miracle right here, him raising Lazarus from the dead, that all the people in Jerusalem came out. And did the whole, you know, Hosanna, blessed is he, that, you know, and put the palm leaves down and he came in riding on a donkey. The reason they all flooded out of the city to come see this man is because they had heard that he had raised Lazarus from the dead. And even even the Pharisees are are they're gonna get to the point where we're gonna see that in chapter twelve that they also they didn't just wanna kill Jesus now, now they wanted to kill Lazarus just because this guy got raised from the dead and people were want to talk to him too cuz he was dead and now he's alive and so they, this is a very important turning point in the chapter. We'll see in chapter 12 when he goes up to Jerusalem and then 13 all the way up to the crucifixion is just Jesus speaking with his disciples, teaching his disciples. And so it's going to be it's going to be instructive for us. Um, the first thing that uh, what we're going to do is I'm going to try to get through verse 44 in chapter 11. I don't know how far we'll get, but we'll just see. We'll just see how it goes. The one thing that we see in the first part of this chapter is that you that Christ you have to trust Christ's timing. You know, a lot of you guys maybe ha- are calling out to Him for something, praying for something. You know, seeking something, wanting you know better job, better relationships with your family, financial help. Uh, spiritual help just you know whatever it is sometimes we just get dropped off in a spiritually dry place where you think you know it's god my, my prayers aren't even hitting the ceiling and i don't understand you know what's going on why i feel the way i feel all these kind of things and you call on Christ like these sisters do, and it just seems like he didn't show up. So let's read these verses, and then we'll, we'll talk about them. And since most of you were here Wednesday and heard the whole deal, I'm hoping that a lot of you guys are going to talk more than, more than I will. So it says, Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, unto Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death. It won't end up in death, but it's for the glory of God that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus when he had therefore That he, when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Let's stop right there for a second. Yes? Is it a different word for love that he's using there than just the regular? He said, like, he loved us like I loved everybody. Uh, what, yes, but he loves people in different ways it, I'll look if you'd like me to but it really won't matter because the words agape and phileo there's a whole big thing made about this word means this but they're really used interchangeably in scripture and so any, any first year Greek student is taught that you, you have to use the context agape doesn't always mean sacrificial love and phileo doesn't always mean brotherly love so even if it is a different word I wouldn't base a whole argument on that, but let me look it up. Oh, that's fine. I just wondered if it was different. When he had heard, therefore, no, it is is it's it's agape, agapao. So it is the agape, the the word. But you know, he does love everybody, but there's a special love in for God has a special love for His children. Same way, I mean, same way you do. I mean, I know that you love me very much, Valerie. I can tell it in the way that you kindly speak to me all the time. And you love Presley as well. She's your daughter. But you don't love me in the same way that you love Presley. And if it came down to a lion was going to eat me or eat Presley, yes, I probably would not reach the same level of love that you would have for for Presley, and and we know in, intuitively, yeah, we know intuitively that that's there's nothing wrong with that. If if in fact we would think it was wrong if. You know, if a burglar broke into my house and started beating up my wife, if I stood there and said, I don't know what to do because I love them both, you know, <laughs> we, you would think that there's really something wrong. With you know, that's not right. That's not right. So it, 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 he does love everybody. But Jesus, you know, and, and he was human. There's a lot of issues here in the incarnation. He was human. He had interacted with his family before. And so I don't think it's singling them out as... He loved them more than he loved everybody else. It's just the fact that he loved them. What I think is weird is, and I told you all this if you were here Wednesday, was you think that, I mean, I still struggle with it. I still, I'm trying to explain it and it still mystifies me. He says, he says, it says that uh, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had therefore, therefore, I would put therefore at the beginning. When he had therefore heard, when he had heard therefore that he was sick, he abode two days still. So the therefore is there to show, it's a connection between Jesus' love and him waiting. He says, he loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Therefore, he waited two days. That doesn't make sense to me because I'm thinking if you love them and you hear he's sick, what are you gonna do? You're gonna you're gonna go right then, you know? But he lo- he loved them and so he waited. <coughs> yes. I, have a question. I mean, he knew he knew things were were there before anyone ever told him. <coughs> so when when they caught he he probably already knew Lazarus was sick, but when they did come and him, then he waited two days. Oh, I'm sure he did. He knew Lazarus was dead because the messengers came and told him he was sick and he needs to come. Jesus tarried two days and the disciples are going to question him here in a minute. And he's going to tell them Lazarus is dead. You know, even before he sets out to go to Bethany, he knew that Lazarus was dead. So he knew that it was going to happen. uh, And I don't have no doubt that he waited because he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. But my my thing is, how does waiting two days demonstrate that he loved them? See, it says that it says that he loved them, therefore he waited.
1: But yeah.
0: he loved them enough to work his purpose in them. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. I mean, he that that's kind of the conclusion I came up with more, is. More opportunity, more growth. If I did mean, not wait then they might have missed out I, That's the conclusion that I think I've come up with as well, is that I think because you, uh, if you look at the story, and we'll read it, but I know you, most of you guys know it, uh, Martha had faith in Christ, and she loved Christ, so did Mary, but it wasn't a full faith in Christ and, In who he was. That makes sense? She said three times in this chapter it's gonna say somebody, either Mary, Martha, or the crowd of Jews that was around them, is gonna say, if you had just been here, then he wouldn't have died. And what they're saying is, Jesus, you know, we know that you're a miracle worker. We know that you have, you know, powers and we know that God hears you and, you know, all those things. And if you would have just been here, you could have stopped death from taking hold of Lazarus. But now that death has taken Lazarus, there's really nothing you can do. And basically, it sounds like, and I'm kind of drawing a little bit more maybe out of of what they're saying, but it sounds like to me that they're not. That death is too great an enemy. Death is too great a power for Jesus to overcome after dude's been dead for four days. Because they're all like, if you would have been here, you could have done something. But now, the whole situation's gone way out of hand. It's gone too far, and you're just too late. I mean, there's nothing that you can do. Right, right. They, They had faith that he was a miracle worker and that he was... You know, even that he was the Messiah. I'm sure that you know that Mary, Martha, and them. I'm sure they believed that. I'm almost positive they did. Um, but they, it was still something about you know when you die, you don't come back. I mean, there's just that's a power. That's a that's a a, a reality that nothing can change. And so they weren't understanding that Jesus Himself is God in human flesh, and Jesus Himself relationship with this person is. Life. Does that make sense? What? You don't even know what I said. You listen to Valerie. She wasn't listening to me. Oh, okay. 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 No, okay. I listen to you. So, do you think that. Okay, give me a second to get back on track. Valerie and Donna. Valerie and Donna. You know I'm recording this, don't you? Valerie Hupp and Donna Marbury. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh. Huh? You can't talk and then I can hear you and then say nothing. I want to know what you said. She said she has no outstanding wants a say. Oh. Uh, <laughs> now, see, that was funny. What was I saying, though? What was I saying, though? About me about it being fine on the. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Martha Martha see, now I'm all messed Martha believed Jesus could have healed him, but she was unsure, you know, that, that he could save Lazarus after he had been dead for four days. After he had already been, it was just too late. And so Jesus corrected Martha. He said, she said, he said, you know, your 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 brother's gonna rise. And she said what? She said, I know he's going to rise. Yeah, at the resurrection, at the end of history when we all rise, I know he's going to rise. And she thought Jesus was just giving her a little platitude, a little, you know, a little cliche, which is, you know, something that nobody wants. I found that out, you know, working in the hospital. You come in and somebody's lost a loved one. The last thing you need to say is it's all going to be okay, you know, because it's not really going to be okay. I mean, it is going to be okay, but that's not what they want to hear right at that point. And so she thought he was giving her a little platitude. Oh, no, don't worry, girl. Lazarus is going to rise again. You're going to get to see him again, you know, just like, and we all do that. And it's true. It's not not untrue. Uh, But that's what she was thinking. And Jesus had to correct her. And he said, no, no, no. What I'm saying is we're not talking about the resurrection that's coming at the end of history. He said, "I'm the resurrection." He said, "I'm the resurrection and the life." And he talks to two people here. He says, "Let me let me just read it. I don't want to do it all from memory and mess it up." Okay, so, and we skip right over the disciples. Then, after he said this, when he heard, therefore, that he's Say the same place it was. Verse 7 Then after that saith he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews late sought to stone thee. They wanted to kill you. And goest thou thither again? Do you go there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve days, hours in the day? And if a man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, but not because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there is no light in him. These things he said, and after that he said unto them, "Our friend Lazarus sleeps." They're sleeping, but I go that I might wake him up. They, the disciples did not want Jesus to go. They did not want him to be killed by the people that had just tried to stone him to death. And so he says, "Lazarus is sleeping." Then he said, then he said to his disciples, "Lord, if he sleep, if he if he sleep, if, if he's sleeping, uh, he shall do well, saying he's going to be okay. If he's just sleeping, don't worry about it. He's fine. He don't need you. He don't need you to go to him." Um, 13, howbeit Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking rest and sleep. And then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes. That's another thing you should not say at the hospital. (laughs) He's dead and I'm glad. I'm glad that he's dead. I'm glad he's dead. You know, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that you may believe Nevertheless, let us go to him. Okay, so you got two two things right there. Number one, you got Jesus saying he he it's saying Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus so much that he waited for two days before he went. And then you have him saying, "I'm glad I wasn't there when Lazarus died because I want you to believe." But didn't the disciples already believe? What do you think? Increase yeah, this whole episode is for the benefit of his disciples. It's for the benefit of Mary. It's for the benefit of Martha. It's shortly for the benefit of Lazarus. Um, and so uh, he, he it seems like he purposely tarried for two days, making it four days before he reached Lazarus after he had died. He purposely tarried so that he could show the world his power over death. And it's this instance. If you weren't here when we first started, I, I shared with them that it's this miracle, this raising Lazarus from the dead, that was the final straw that broke the camel's back, and it set the Pharisees on him. And they, the next time I see him, we're going to arrest him. And so from that, from this time on, he went around, you know, not into the cities. And when he finally does go into Jerusalem, he has the last Passover, and then he's crucified right then. And so this is the last miracle that he's going to do in, Ch- in John. And it's the one, it even says in the text, in the next chapter, it says this is why the people came out uh, to to see him when he came into the city because they had heard he'd raised Lazarus from the dead. It's so bad that we're going to see that the Pharisees, now they want to kill Lazarus because people were wanting to come see Lazarus too because this guy was dead and now he's alive and all this is going on. So it seems like Jesus knew that this was his time. He knew that the, the, it's time for me to show them Uh, Who I am and what I'm here for and to go to the cross and to fulfill that work. You know, in the Gospels, it often says, you know, when he when he does a miracle for someone, he'll say, don't tell. What's happened to you? Don't tell anybody who I am. Uh, When he cast demons out of people, he he refused to let the demons say who he was because he didn't want to be known. Uh, It just wasn't his time. There's many times that we've talked about where he just passed through the crowd when they were trying to arrest him because it wasn't his time. you know. And so now it seems like he intentionally tarries two days in order to give Lazarus time to start decomposing and raise him from the dead so that all this will come to a head. And that he would go to the cross. So it's not just; it is because he wanted to he wanted to shore up and inform the belief of Martha and Mary and all the all the Jewish mourners standing around and his disciples. Uh, but he also he also turned the key on the clock that that started ticking down to the to the crucifixion. Does that make sense? Yeah. See what I mean? Okay. So he's dead, and I'm glad I wasn't there when he died. Uh, then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, which means twin. So I don't know whose twin he is, but and nobody does, but that's what it means. Unto his fellow disciples, he says, Let us also go that we may die with him. Who is he talking about? Die with who? Jesus. Jesus. I, I think that's right. Jesus is is he hadn't revealed to them. I mean, He has revealed to them, but they had not fully understood that He was going to the cross yet. Uh, but they were terrified to go back to Jerusalem because they knew, or go back to Judea, because they knew that sure enough, I mean, they had just barely escaped with their lives. They, the Pharisees, the last time we saw him in John chapter 10, the Pharisees had stones in their hands and they were cocked back ready to kill Him. And if it wasn't for Jesus's, you know, quick thinking, quoting the psalm and all those things that, you know, they might. Of course, we know it was God's plan, but it was all but over with right then and there. And so now they're like, we can't go back there. It's going to be dead. And so Thomas and his disciples are like, if he's going back to Judea, we're just going to go and we're going to die with him. You know, Lazarus was dead. They weren't sure. I mean, the dude's been dead for days now. They weren't sure. Jesus could do anything about a guy that was already dead. So in their minds, it was just suicide mission. It was, we're going back. There's nothing he can do for Lazarus. Lazarus is dead. We're just going back to, to die with him. You know, and so uh, it gives a new meaning of take up your cross and follow me. You know, that's what disciples do. They, they deny themselves. They take up their cross and follow me. Do you know when Jesus said that, the take up your cross, When we when we hear it, You know what the cross is. It was where Jesus died. But when he said that, Jesus had not died on the cross yet. And they had no idea that he would die on the cross other than prophecies that were told that they might know. And so for for me to say, you know, Jimmy, if you want to follow me, you need to take up your electric chair, you know, and follow me. They knew it was a, a method of execution. That's all they knew. You need to take up your lethal injection. You need to take up your whatever and follow me. Um, it came real right here when Thomas said, "You know what? We're just, we're just going to go die. We're going to go die with it. So, verse seventeen says, "When Jesus came, he found that he had what? Light, lean, line, lane, lane." Lean in the grave. Yeah, is it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, how about that? I didn't know that. I want to yeah. Ah, uh, he'd lean, he'd lean in the grave. He'd lain in the grave four days already. Now, Bethany was nigh to Jerusalem, about 50 furlongs off, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to confront, to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Why do you think Mary sat in the house when Martha ran to Jesus? Probably mad. Probably, maybe. I mean, we don't know for sure. I'm just asking your opinion. Maybe mad? She was mad. "Mm." How could you not be here for my brother? Yeah. And the house was filled. In those days, it was common to hire mourners. Like... I know it sounds goofy to us, but they would hire people to come cry at the funeral, and That's it was just, huh? Still like they still do that? They hire people? Yeah. Really? <laughs> <laughs> they, they feel like wait a, minute, wait a minute, the family feels like the people that come to visit, if there's not wailing and crying and fainting, that person wasn't loved and respected. So they literally do. And how do you apply for that job? <laughs> I could But it I, is true. It doesn't. Really? I never would have thought. it. Like, I got a couple of days off a week. I can come and cry if somebody just wants to. Like once I was told, their are professional. Do not put, do not do the, they pass out to my hip up. Mm -hmm. smelling salt smelling salt don't do smelling salt how about that so if you would like to be a professional mourner just call (laughs) call the funeral I don't know how they hook that up but you have to be convincing you can't just be can't be like most church services you gotta be uh, (laughs) yeah you gotta be convincing if somebody grabs for your wallet you gotta let them add it no, I'm just kidding. All right, so there was a group. It wasn't just Mary, Martha, Lazarus there. It was a group of people there. Some of which it was a very prominent family, so some of which were there, you know, because they loved the family and surely they were close to them. Some of which were there uh, because you know they were. That was the custom for them to be there to be mourning and all those things. And so it says. Many of the, uh, verse twenty says that Martha went to Jesus, Mary stayed in the house, and then said, "Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died." And then she says the statement of faith that says, "But I know that even now whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give thee." And then that's when Jesus says, "Your brother will live again." Now, what's wrong with the picture? that Martha, Jesus, Martha is not um, a false believer. She's, She's someone who truly cares, someone who truly loves Christ, someone who truly believes in Christ. But there's something wrong with her confession, and Jesus corrects her on it right here. She says, God, Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. She says, but even now I know that whatever you ask of God, He will give you. What is she assuming? That's not necessarily—it's correct, but it's—it's it's not giving her comfort in her situation. That he's actually on the same level as God, like he's got the same power. Right, right. That's exactly right. That she is—she is assuming that—that—and and this is not—I'm kind of reading into Martha's mind here. You know, she—she she knows he's the Messiah. She knows he's the Christ. She knows he's the one sent from God. She's going to say so in this chapter a little later, um, but she's still putting him on like a lower level, like God with a little G. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, doesn't think that. Well, he doesn't think he has the ability to overcome death. Now he can do miracles. He can heal the sick. He can cast out demons. But but this thing with Lazarus. I mean, it's, gotten way, it's gone way too far. I mean, it's gone way too far. Death has got a hold of him. Not only has he died, uh, but we've seen Jesus raise other people in the other Gospels, like the little, the little girl, Jairus' daughter, uh, at the point of death and died, and Jesus raised her and all those things. And there might have been questions about, you know, was she really dead? Was she, uh, not, not for us, but for the people who were hearing the stories. Uh, but here, this guy's been in the tomb for four days, decomposing, stinking. I mean, death had him and had him for four days. You know, seventy-two hours is three days. What's four days? I don't do. I don't do math. This ain't math phase. Ninety-six days, ninety-six hours. Uh, so this is something that he couldn't do. And so Martha was coming. And she was coming to God in the way that we come to Him sometimes. She was coming to Him saying, you know, I'm blaming you on one hand, but on the other hand, you know, I know that you're God. And I know that you're, you know... She was kind of doing that. She was saying, Jesus, if you would just have been there, you could have saved me. You. you know, But but I know that you're Jesus and you're the Messiah. I still know that you're... You know, she was... She was coming to Him the way we come to. Instead of coming in faith with the things that happen with us, with the things that are going on in life, with the things that, you know, instead of coming going, God, I know you have a plan. I know you have a purpose. I know that I don't understand anything that's going on here. And and I'm just trusting in you. And I know that it's going to be working for my good. And, you know, instead of doing all that, you come and we kind of, we won't say with our mouth, God, how could you do this to me? But we would say, you know, God's God and he can do what he wants and whatever. But way down somewhere, if you uncover layer after layer after layer after layer under your heart, you're kind of feeling, God, how could you do this to me? You know, how could you do this to me? And so I kind of think, and I'm making a lot of assumptions here. So please, we can talk about it and we can discuss it. I kind of think Martha... It is at this point where she was saying, you know, God or Jesus, uh, if you'd have been here, you could have done something. But, you know, I understand that you're the Messiah. And even now, you know, that that God will give you whatever you ask for, you know. But in her mind, she was thinking, yeah, but he's dead. There's nothing you can do now. You know, good luck. Good luck praying now because he's dead. There's There's nothing we can do. Not only is he dead, but he's gone for four days. And so Jesus says, Martha, don't worry. Your brother's going to rise again. And she says, yeah, I know, I know, I know. He'll rise again. He'll rise again in the in the resurrection at the last day. You know, when we all rise, I, I'll get to see him again one day. I understand that. And then he corrects her. He says, uh, Jesus said unto her, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. And then he talks to both Martha and uh, talks about Martha and Jesus. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Who is that? Who's the one who's dead that will live? Lazarus. And then he says, let me find my place again. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Who is that? Who living right now and believing in him? Martha. Yeah. He's saying, look, look, Martha, you got this all twisted. I understand that you believe I'm the Messiah. I understand that you believe that God will answer all my prayers and and that I am the unique one from God. I understand that. But what you need to understand right here is I'm not just giving you a platitude about how Lazarus is going to be back one day and you're going to be with him. He says, I am the resurrection. And Lazarus, who is dead, uh, through me he shall live again. And you and anybody else that lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you, what do you think that means? Shall never die. Does that mean you're never going to die? Physically? Yeah. There is a passage in. Was it? In, it might be in John. I'd have to look it up. But it says, "The one that believes in me shall never see death." Is it in John? I thought. I thought it might be. And that gives. I mean, sometimes I like to take that to mean that it'll happen, and I'll be transferred, and you know, whatever happens that kills me, whether it be you know, whatever, a heart attack, or you know, getting hit by a train, or whatever uh, you know, what we I don't worry about, I don't worry about dying, I worry about like getting everything cut off and then living for four more days, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's all I worry about. But it says that you'll never see death. It says if you believe in me, the one who lives and believes in me, he will never, he'll never die. He'll never die. He'll be alive forever. you will be you forever. You've heard me say that a million times. I'll be me forever. Jesus actually told uh, one of the arguments that he made against the Sadducees who didn't believe in the resurrection. He said that Moses, when he talked to the burning bush, God from the burning bush said, "I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob." And he said, "God is not a God of the dead, but He's God of the living." And He's implying that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are still alive. They're still they're still there somewhere. He gave her hope. I mean, it's hope. It's instantaneous hope that when you leave your earthly body, you're immediately. Right, and and of course we know that he's actually going to raise Lazarus from the dead too. But she still doesn't know, even though he says, "I am the resurrection and the life," you know. And she says, "Those who believe in me will never die, and those, you know, that were are dead will live." uh, She still doesn't understand what is going to happen because later on, when he says, "Take the stone away," she says, "Oh, don't do that," because he's thinking, you know, she she's still not going through the mindset like Jesus is going to raise my brother from the dead. You know, she's still not working from that. But um, he gives her this lesson, and then he says, Do you believe this? Believest thou this? And look at her answer. She said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And that's her profession of faith. That's her statement of faith that he is the Messiah, the one who would come, you know, the one who would come into the world. Okay, and then when she had said this, she went away. She called, Mary, your sister, the master has come. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus was not yet come to the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose hastily and went out followed her, saying, She go to the grave to weep. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his his feet and she said the exact same thing. Martha said, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Now, here's a question for you, and I don't have an answer, so let's just talk about it. Why didn't Jesus go through the whole deal with Mary? He didn't do anything. He just said, she says, Lord, if you hadn't been here, my brother would not have died. And then verse 33 says, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews weeping which came with her, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled a difference in how much faith one Maybe. Mary doesn't give us a, a statement of faith the way Martha does in this chapter. But just to let you know, in the next chapter, Mary is going to be the one who breaks the bottle of ointment and wipes his feet with her hair and, and does all those things. So uh, looking forward into the next chapter, we can say that Mary does believe. You know, I, I wouldn't have no problem with that. But he's told them what, he's told them, he's told Martha what is going to happen, or what he wants her to understand uh, when she sees what's about to happen. But here comes Mary, and Mary's not by herself. She's, she's got a whole host of people with her, because they're all following her. Go ahead. Well, maybe that's why he didn't go through this. He I mean, had just comes through with her, and at this point he's got her out, and his mind is probably like... Just wait a minute. Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> yeah, I'm done. Yeah. And at the very end of this chapter, we'll see that some of the Jews that were there mourning believed in him, but the other ones ran off and told the Pharisees on it. They ran off and tattled about what he had done. And so maybe, maybe there was just a mixed crowd there. So anyway, it says Jesus was troubled in his spirit and said, Where have you t- laid him? They said, Lord, come see. Jesus wept. There's a good memory verse for you. Then Jesus, then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Now here's the third time it's got said in this chapter. Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? That's the third time somebody said that. So I think that's when when something is said three times in the same chapter, uh, it's hard to pass over that and think that that's not kind of important. Uh, what's going on is they marry Martha and even the crowd. They, they may have some idea of who Jesus is. They may believe or not believe. They may trust His claims or not trust His claims. But none of them understand that He is the resurrection. None of them understand that He holds the power of life and death. None of them understand that it's He who is the door through which they either go into eternal life... Or eternal condemnation, in which that's what we saw that in chapter ten. Uh, to so to illustrate the point, of, remember the door, the sheepfold. I'm the door. If you come through me, you'll be saved. If you don't come through me, you're a thief and a robber. You'll be cast out. He's going to illustrate it right here. He's going to show that he is in control of life and death itself. He's not just a good a prophet not just a good man not just a worker of miracles not just he is the one with the authority of god the father himself to say eternal life or eternal condemnation jesus therefore again groaning himself coming to the grave it was cave and a stone lay upon it jesus said take away the stone martha the sister of him that was dead said to him lord by this time he stinketh For he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, said I not unto thee. Didn't I tell you that if you would believe, you'd see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. Jesus lifted his eyes and said, Father, listen to his prayer now. Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it. That they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand to foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin, Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. Now, why did Jesus notice that when Jesus the graves open, Jesus is standing there, and he goes to pray to his father and what kind of prayer was it that he prayed? Was it, oh God, please let Lazarus come out of the grave. Please heal Lazarus. Please bring Lazarus back to life. What kind of prayer was it that he prayed? Yeah, it was a prayer of... Yeah. It was a prayer of thanksgiving. That what whatever's going to happen has already happened. Whatever's... You know... It, it wasn't as if he stood before this crowd and he said, remember, the point he's making through this whole chapter is that I am the resurrection and the life. I have the authority of life and death. I have the power to say eternal life or eternal condemnation. So when they finally roll the stone away, remember what Martha said earlier. She said, now, if you would have been here, we, we could have got it all fixed. But but even now I know that God is gonna do you know He's gonna answer your prayer, He's gonna do whatever you say. And so instead of standing at the tomb and saying, Father, please heal Lazarus, Father, please raise Lazarus from the dead, he said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. And I know that you always hear me. And I'm not even praying right now so that you would hear my prayer. I'm praying for all these people standing around, so they'll know that I am the one that you sent. That you sent me, and I'm here. And then he doesn't—he doesn't plead for Lazarus. He doesn't whatever. He just says, "Hey, Lazarus, come on out." And so what he's doing is demonstrating that he has the power over life and death. He has the power to—to. Uh, to, uh, Administer, I guess would be the right word, the eternal life of God, the salvation of God. He has the power to do that. He doesn't even call upon his father. I don't know when Lazarus was raised. Was Lazarus raised when Jesus came on the scene? Was he raised when Jesus said the first, you know, Father, I thank you that you heard me. Or was he raised when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. You know, I I don't know, but sometime in there, Lazarus was raised from the dead. And Jesus is the one who raised him from the And so what we see, is, and we're going to see this next time. We'll stop right there. Uh, it's because of this. Because Jesus finally throughout in the gospel, finally showed up. And he showed exactly who he was. Exactly what he came to do. Exactly what his power meant. Uh, this was the catalyst that set all the, all the wheels in motion to have him crucified. All the wheels in motion to have the people turn against him and, and him be put in a tomb and ri- rise again. We're going to see that the people, the mourners that were around, half of them, I'm, I say half, some of them believed on Jesus when they saw. I mean, he just raised this guy from the dead. They had been there mourning for four days. They had been there mourning in the house for four days. Dude was in the tomb. They knew he was dead. There was no doubt about it. And so they saw Jesus come up, they saw Him raised from the dead, raised Lazarus from the dead, and they believed. But then there were some others that they didn't believe, they instead ran and told the Pharisees. They ran and told the Pharisees what Jesus had did, has done. And then when the Pharisees got wind of it, and they heard the witnesses, the testimony of all the people that were there, not only did they want to kill Jesus, now now they want to kill Lazarus as well, because he's leading them away. And it's going to say, it's because of this miracle. That the whole city becomes gets in an uproar about who this Jesus is and what he's came to do, and then that's going to start the final the final days leading up to the crucifixion when it all just comes to a head. So this is very important in the Gospel of John, uh, the raising of Lazarus, because it was this miracle. This is his last miracle here in John, in the Gospel of John. It's the last one, and it's the greatest one because he proves who he is. That he's the power of life and death, and for us you know if you apply this to your life what what it would be would be you know there's nothing that he can't overcome in your life because it wasn't you that said you know a lot of people think that you know it, it was by grace that you were saved which means there came a time in your life where he said Jason come forth where Jimmy come forth you weren't just you weren't just floundering around in the ocean and God threw you a life preserver. You, you were already dead and you were at the bottom of the sea, bloated and whatever. And Jesus came and raised you to new life. It says we were dead in our transgressions and sins and he came and, and he raised us to new life. And so that new life is prevalent in us. And so if that's possible. If that's possible, that He can raise your dead self to new life, then there's nothing in this new life that He can't handle and that there's nothing that's gone too far that He can't come and raise it back. Does that make sense? Y'all with me? Any questions? Alright, let's pray. Lord, we love You. Thank You for uh, giving us this time, God.